On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, it's time for a mid-season report. Former Pacer Eddie Gill joins me to break down the first 41 games. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Well, right now at the midpoint, Pacers are 23-18, and 6th in the Eastern Conference, and I think the over-under before the season was 24.5, basically saying that they would have 25 wins like last season, and here halfway through, they're basically already there. And so now I bring in Eddie Gill, who's been an analyst for Pacer Radio and TV broadcast for a half dozen years, and obviously played for the team, so he provides that great player's perspective as well and to start Eddie I got to believe you were like the rest of us that didn't see this coming at all yeah just we're uncertain as to, as to what you might uh you might see coming into this season obviously uh underwhelming uh, results last season um there was obviously a shift in terms of the roster uh obviously a, definitely a, a youth movement per se mixed in with a couple of veterans so you weren't really sure uh as to what level of success this, this team um, could could attain, and, and now that we're um, you know halfway into the season, the expectations uh, externally, uh, I would say for sure, have definitely changed uh, as this team is currently uh, in the playoff mix. Before we get further into that, I should ask you about TV aspect. You've been doing this now for quite a while. Take me through kind of what that's been like for you. How much are you enjoying that? Whether it's some road games, about a dozen with Mark Boyle, and then being yeah. being in studio with JJ for much of the home games. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Uh, this is uh this is I'm in the middle of my seventh year now, and it's hard to believe it's been that long. But um, I, I I gotta really give a, a lot of credit and, and and really show a lot of gratitude towards the the Patriots organization and, and and Jamie Burns specifically to kind of reaching out to me and uh kind of on a whim to see if I'd be interested. And and we we talked through it obviously, and, and here we are. Um, you know, like I said, in, in my seventh year, and I've been thoroughly pleased with it, you know, work with a great group of guys. And you, you referenced Jeremiah Johnson, uh, our, our pregame and postgame producer, Ken Softman. Um, Brian Woodrum, is a, you know, does the, the in-game stuff. Obviously, Jamie Burns, Christian Mary, Quinn Buckner. You know, I've been really fortunate to, to have a team of guys to kind of show me the ropes, um, you know, coming in here, not knowing one single thing about this industry, how to do it. You know, I know the game. I, I'm confident in that. Uh, but but being able to execute, you know, these shows and, and, and broadcast, and, and as you referenced, Mark Boyle has been tremendous, you know, on the radio side of things. So um, I'm incredibly grateful and, and, and really been happy with the opportunity. And to your guys' credit, a lot of continuity there, not a lot of changeover. Yeah. I mean, CD and QB have been doing it together for now 17 years. And by the way, congrats to Chris for being in, uh, voted as the Indiana Sportscaster of the Year for rare, surprisingly the first time, but you guys do a great job, and I think Pacer fans, even more so now this season as the team is winning, are consuming a lot of your content on a gamely basis. Yeah, really appreciate that for sure, and and I think you you bring up a great point in terms of the continuity and, and <clears throat> excuse me, not not very little uh, or very little turnover, and um, you know we 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 enjoy each other and we like you know being being around each other so that makes it all the better yeah and you can tell that when when a group maybe doesn't vibe or doesn't get together and here's actually a perfect segue perhaps is to this Pacers group Eddie because they found some magic they they have a magic potion going on right now and I've never seen in my 11 years covering the Pacers a team gel so quickly and so well despite significant changeover to the roster um what have you made to what they've been able to get accomplished in the first couple of months 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the, 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 the best parts about it. You know, obviously the results have been better than expected from a lot of people, uh, but ultimately seeing the, these guys enjoy each other's company, root for each other, hold each other accountable, encourage each other. Uh, you look at that bench, oftentimes, regardless of, and when I say look at the bench, I'm not necessarily talking about the second unit. We may get into that, but regardless of who's on the floor, the, the group of guys that are that are seated, they're there supporting, they're engaged, uh, they're ready to go back in and make a contribution, and uh, and being able to be around with you see it, it's even it's genuine. They they really do enjoy each other's company, and uh, ultimately it's turning into great results on the floor. One thing I, I was talking with James Johnson about a couple of days ago, and congrats to him having his contract fully guaranteed, is he singled out to the fact that now they're again able to have team dinners again, and a lot of the guys are all taking part of that. And, and I know previous teams, you had guys at different age groups, meaning some were married, some had kids, guys went home after games. That's been less so the case. And can you kind of speak to what, what the impact of those things away from the court, away from the locker room, at dinner, on the team bus, how those can help aid in, in trying to you know, build that chemistry and camaraderie with one another? Yeah, I think it's huge. When you have a, uh, in any team atmosphere, almost regardless of, regardless of industry, if you can gel together, uh, actually genuinely care about each other's um, you know, personal lives to some degree, uh, care about each other as individuals and not so much uh, only about what happens on the basketball court, it just makes it uh, all the better. And this team, to your point, has definitely been able to do that uh, away from the court. They want to see each other succeed. And, um, you know, but having said that, you know, you've seen at times, whether it's in a timeout or on the floor, if there's some miscommunication or, or one teammate feels like the other teammate isn't necessarily um, doing their job or, or whatever the case may be, they're also holding each other accountable. So it's not a, uh, they're running around, you know, as a bunch of yes men to each other. They're, they're also holding each other accountable, which I also think is important. That's huge. And that's a good point because that was something, at least from the outside, certainly looked like they were they were lacking some of that individual accountability to the point where the front office after games had to go in the locker room to the point where, you know, maybe guys would just leave early or things like that. I, I think we're seeing that individual accountability and team accountability before the coaches even have to step in. So very good point. Um, I think by you there, the other thing, the single biggest factor I believe in all this certainly is what Tyrese Halliburton has meant to the franchise has meant to the team has meant to the city. I think he's gone uh, and it had a, uh, more than anyone could have expected in terms of his individualized impact, how he's a Midwestern guy and, and also just his pure raw talent playing like an all-star uh, right now. I, I just think the way he passes the ball and the way he gets his teammates involved and open may be one of his best attributes. How about you? Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And, and oftentimes when you see guys with high assist numbers, oftentimes, uh, or in some cases, not say often, in some cases, um, that individual with high assist numbers, he's really just come convicted in, in, his, in his approach that, hey, each and every time I'm going to be the guy to make the, 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 the delivery mm -hmm. for or the decision maker uh, or be the, or the primary decision maker. Where we've seen him, even though he has these high assist numbers and he's getting guys involved, he does not hesitate one single bit to advance the basketball up the floor and make some and let someone else make the make the decision whether they're going to score or they're making the extra pass. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been some talk about, you know, being able to track to the pass that, that makes the pass. Um, but he makes a lot of those ones, you know, again, 
not always just in pick and rolls. He's obviously great there. He's great whether he's it, it, when he is open in open floor, he can go score or he can find people. But um, you know, and, and here of late, he he knows when to turn the scoring switch on as well. So he's got a great blend uh, of, uh, of of playmaking ability. And, and then also just being able to flat out score when it's time. He has usage rate almost twenty four percent. So obviously he he has the ball in his yeah. hands a lot, but he loves yep. getting people involved. The other thing I enjoy just from a, a pure aesthetic standpoint is when he he gets juiced up when the pass is flowing. And what I mean by that is a lot of times, yeah, you see the no look pass, but then watch him afterwards. Is he'll kind of hop skip? I, I don't know. I think that's become one of his things. Uh, that's been a joy to watch. I think. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, the spirit is, is, is that he plays with is, is you know, is contagious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it has a gravitational pull, you know, as you referenced, you know, from fans, on onlookers, people just being able to watch his game. He plays with the game with such a joy. Um, and, and, and when things, like to your point, when things get going well and, and that kind of thing, he just really, uh, it, it just fuels his fire to some degree. So it's, it's just a joy to watch uh, when you see someone who, who loves the game and, and, and has a sheer commitment. Um, to, to to positive outcomes, even through you know some of the ups and downs with, within within the progress. And it's funny, I was thinking last night as uh, a reminder popped up on my phone. Uh, it was it was that last year a year ago. That's when we had the Miles Turner uh, that ain't P tweet, which clearly you know things weren't going well, and you yeah. know it was right about that time when the front office clearly decided to shift its plan, and then ultimately led to three trades, and that brought back Tyrese. Well, he hadn't even been here for a year, although it feels like how quickly he's become part of this organization that he has been here for three, four years, uh, etc. So Tyrese has, has been a, a breath of fresh air, I think, to the front office, to this fan base, and and now we've seen to that point the crowds have come back, Eddie, uh, a couple. A couple weeks ago, we had the first sellout crowd. It took them 18 games. But ever since then, it's kind of been 80%, 90% full as, a, as this is the team is not only playing with a joy, but they've brought those fans back, which makes it almost feel like a playoff-like atmosphere. And by the way, a lot of these guys on this roster have not experienced a playoff game even just yet. Yeah, there's no question about it. There's definitely been a handful of games here at the Fieldhouse that had a playoff vibe to, a playoff vibe to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're right, just maybe – just before the holidays and dramatically risen. Uh, and you can attribute that to guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill plays with a great uh, spirit and passion, competitive spirit. I, I feel like Miles Turner has always, uh, you know, regardless of what's going on with rumors, this, that, and other, I feel like when he's out on the floor, he's always played with a great spirit and uh, competition level. So when you have guys like that and you throw in, um, you know, uh, newcomers like Neesmith, is, is as competitive as, as they come, as tough as they come. And, and uh, you know, I think right now they have a really good collection uh, of guys on the team playing different roles. And, um, and at any given moment, um, you know, either one of them can get a hot hand and, and take over a game. You mentioned roles and, and the buy-in is there, and that's something Rick's talked a lot with us in the media about. Is how and, and even Miles, to his point, mentioned what's the difference between last year and this year. It's trust. It's an ego-free locker room. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Take us back to when you were playing. Like, how difficult is that to experience? How rare is that um, for you to have a, a locker room that truly is part of a collective? And even if I'm not playing, I, I love yeah. that you are and that we are winning because I think that's kind of rare. Yeah, and it's a, a very fine line right? because you want competitors um, in the locker room. You want guys to want to want to be on the floor and go out and be able to make contributions and help. The reality of it is that that's, that's not going to happen when you have 13, 14, 15-man roster. Uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it, during the season, it could be nine to ten guys playing regular regular minutes, and then once you get in the playoffs, that's probably going to go to eight to nine mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what that rotation looks like. So um, th- th- you have to find the balance of having big-time competitors but also guys who are supportive and understand that, hey, not everybody's going to get a chance, a legitimate chance to play extended minutes. Uh, but you also, if you're not one of those guys, um, it's incumbent upon you to be a great supporter, a great teammate. Meanwhile, keeping yourself ready because at any given moment, one of the, one of those guys could go down and you have to be uh, be ready to go out there and play and perform at a high level. So it's incredibly challenging for those guys, but they've definitely found – found the sweet spot and, and to your point it, it is to have this type of continuity this early is rare now the the challenge becomes and, and rick spoke to this in one of the pressures is it's an ongoing process you don't just think you don't take this for granted and think it's always going to be like this right because ultimately um as guys continue to gain confidence in, in certain things that have certain amount of level of success you know what does that success do to an individual's mindset um so you always want to keep that uh, in the back of your mind as, as you're trying to manage a team. And to the team collective there, it's, I thought it was interesting how Rick was saying, you know, I was asking about the midseason, you know, did you realize you're at 41 games? He's like, that's great, but we can't look back. You can't do anything about that. You can build off it, but now we got to look forward because it's going to be a very difficult for next 41 games here. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was a thoughtful account for having respect for what they accomplished but not leaning yep. on it, uh, not getting yourself overhyped team-wise or individual-wise um, as well. Let's do look back a little bit, though, at those 41 games in terms of individual play. I think easily the biggest surprise has been Andrew Nemhard, a second-round pick who's not only starting but has won them games and taking on the biggest defensive matchup every game. So let's throw him out. Let's even throw Matherin out, rookies. Outside of that, who's maybe been your biggest surprise in the level at which he's been able to contribute this season? Yeah, I'm 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 always hesitant to to use the word surprise just because I I, I, I believe just having been in that seat I, I know what guys are capable of when they do get an opportunity. Okay. Um, so it's just kind of a you know you just kind of wait and see. Um, but it you know in that same breath I would I would throw Aaron Neesmith uh, out there as the guy um, who has really had the most dramatic impact coming from almost, you know, nowhere to some degree. Obviously he was a draft pick with the Boston Celtics and, and has some potential there, but playing behind guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, it's going to be tough to crack that lineup with any significant amount of minutes. Um, and, and he did have some opportunity there, but he's got ample opportunity here, or, or I shouldn't say he's gotten, he's earned ample opportunity here, uh, earned himself a spot in the starting lineup and he solidified that. Um, with his play first and foremost on the defensive end, and his offense has just taken off uh, as well. You know, opportune uh, scoring opportunities. He shot the three ball well. He's one of the best free throw shooters on the team. 
Uh, and right there with Nimhart, he's arguably the best perimeter defender, um, not only on wings, but they also have him, you know, he's the starting foreman right now. So I think his presence has been invaluable uh, and, and been a, a tremendous spark for this team up to this point in the season. I would completely agree. That's who I had as well. And, and maybe that is a better, fair description. It's not surprise, but yeah. more of a breakout because for Aaron, sure. we knew he was capable of something more. We just don't know because we hadn't seen it yet because there was limited opportunity with Boston where, you know, he's playing 10 minutes a game and, you know, maybe he would or maybe he wouldn't. Now he knows he's not only playing a lot, but starting. He's, he's become one of their best free throw shooters, 36% from three point land. But, he talked with us in the summer at Summer League about trying to be that two-way defender, and I think thus far, while there's still plenty of room to grow, he's lived up to those expectations. And 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 this is a guy that was a lottery pick. This is only year three. He's barely like 22 years old, so there's a lot of room for him to grow into this role. And I thought it was notable too, Eddie. He was talking the other day after a game, I think it was, and saying, you know what? This is the most fun I've had playing basketball in quite a while. And keep in mind, he was in a finals team last year. So he's getting that ample opportunity, and that also then speaks to the chemistry of this group. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I just, uh, it's, it's truly a joy to me to see guys kind of sit back, go through the frustrations of not playing, and and, and understanding, or, or and, and really have a self belief that you should be out there on the floor. And um, ultimately, that's you know, there's there's timing associated with this, and it's not always the timing that we, that we would that we would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he kind of, um, you know, he obviously had to wait his turn to some degree. It was the, the trade happened, and, and uh, he the trade, or excuse me, the trade happened, and uh, opportunity unfolded here for him, and he's completely embraced it. And uh, I got to give you know Rick Carlisle and that coaching staff a lot of credit as well for, you know, putting this entire team, including Aaron e. Smith, in, in positions to be successful. Um, they're all, you know, had the opportunity to for, to play free, play with uh, complete latitude to go out there and play their game and uh without restrictions but they've all really just kind of gelled and, and embraced their their uh, respective roles and right now really just fit together perfectly and playing free to your last point is something that stands out to me too and that I, I think this is an area rick carlisle deserves credit for evolving and i'm not just talking this year or over the last couple of years but through his career uh, you know chauncey billups now the portland coach is talking how he was kind of rigid in his ways right early 2000s and playing a lot of or excuse me calling a lot of plays well that's not the case as much anymore it's obviously the way the nba game has evolved less play calling more free-flowing um, he's empowered Tyrese and and also the other guards. I think to to run the run the offense and really truly just run the team. And so I think that's another thing that's gone well is this coaching staff has had a lot of fun, but they've also empowered these guys to do their best. Yeah, that, I mean I I can't speak to that enough because uh, I I just like much like Chauncey Billups, I play. Um, you know, for, for Rick Carlisle in, in two, you know, 2004, 2006 is when I was with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. And um, albeit we, a successful approach and, and clearly won games, it was a very different approach. Um, and, and as the game has evolved, he's definitely evolved himself as a coach. So I give him so much credit uh, being able to evolve, evolve and, and, and coach, you know, younger players, the modern day game and adapt to it, but, but still have his um, game management uh, in style and play with regards to timeouts. When are we taking timeouts? Now there's challenges. When are we challenging? I know uh, Mike Weiner is a, is really kind of at the head of that ship and has, has done a great job there as well. But he he, he deserves a, a ton of credit for evolving 
And uh, as long as they continue down this path, he, he's got to be in the, in the coach of the year uh, conversation as well when you look at what the expectations were coming in. Completely agree. And I laugh because when the first thing you talked about is still having a few of his old styles, the timeout was the first thing I think about, right? Yeah. Is, is yeah. if he just preached something in the huddle and you give up two baskets at the rim, boop, timeout, 45 seconds in, and he doesn't care. And that's that's true, Rick. So I do yeah. appreciate that um, for certain. Um, second unit, uh, as we kind of wrap up here with just a few more items with you, seems like that got, that group has kind of um, not only evolved but gelled well together with T.J. McConnell kind of leading it, but then Ben Matherin being able to be the guy with that unit. I know a lot of fans would like to see Ben with that starting group. I don't really care too much who starts. It's about who finishes. And with that second unit, Matherin can be the number one guy rather than maybe being the fourth option to start out games. What have you thought about how that has shaken out in the first 41? Yeah, I, I think that's that's, uh, that, that's a valid point. I think that, uh, well, the, the numbers show, and, and, and we, we watch the games, you know, just about every night that bench unit has had an advantage against the opposing bench. They've done a, a great job of, of either pushing the lead forward or they've been able to crawl back into a game and take a lead. Um, and, and they've just been able to do a, a lot of positive things um, each and each and every night out. You reference C.J. McConnell; he's done a, a really good job of going in there, pesky on defense, um, offensively. He, he he's done a he's done a great job of of pushing the pace, finding guys, getting them in in, in, in their spots where they can score, and, and taking his uh, opportunities to finish when when teams are, are allowing him to get to the rim and, and get to his mid range. Um, and it, it, as far as Benedict Matherin goes, definitely he can be featured once they do get into a half-court set and they're looking to run something and, and get someone going. He, he's been that guy in that second unit. Um, his ability to get to the free throw line as a rookie, I, I don't know if I've seen it before. So um, impressive, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's so good. It's been day one. He's been, you know, he's been able to do that. He's had multiple games where he, he's attempted 10 or more. Um, he shoots it efficiently. Yeah. Rim knows, has a great knack for drawing contact, so I've uh, been really impressed with his poise and, and, and maturity, um, you know, right along with the other rookies in Nimhart. Those two, those two guys are look like, you know, seasoned veterans with the way they've been playing. And, and, and also, once again, you have credit to their coaches that they've trusted those guys in late-game situations. There's been a, 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 a variety of times where one, or, if not both of them, are on the floor when it's closing time. So um, it, it's been great to see. But overall, that, that bench unit has been – Awesome. Got to give O'Shea Brissett a lot mm-hmm. of credit as well. Yeah. He's a guy who's, who's, you know, he'll sit for two, three games with a DMP, and next thing you know, he's back in the lineup and in the game with 15 and seven and, and, and five or six plays that don't get in a stat sheet. So, um, you know, those guys have kept kept themselves ready. Um, and, and I think sooner or later, you'll, you'll see a breakout game from Dorte as well. And that, that was leading into my next question because everything has not been perfect, and that's fine. Uh, Duarte missed 21 games with that bad ankle sprain. First of all, it's good to see him back and not having to have surgery or anything like that. But, Eddie, he's a guy that's right now trying to just kind of find his way and not get in the way. Two for his last 27. And this maybe is the challenge when a team has it rolling how do you reinsert a guy? So if you're his teammate, what are you telling Chris right now as he's trying to break out of whatever slump he's in? Yeah, I mean, it's really just trying to pump him up at all times, and, you know, to, to, to take shots, be aggressive. Um, also, when you're in some of these slumps, lock in a little bit more on the defensive end of the floor, see if you can create some havoc there, deflections, steals, some runouts, mm-hmm. 
some, something to get yourself going there. I don't think you can, can let the offensive end of the floor affect what happens defensively. Um, you know, when the shot's not going in, hey, where else can I be valuable? Where else can I uh, create an impact? You know, especially as of right now, I don't, he's probably playing, I don't know, 15, 16 minutes a game, something like that um, since since he's been back. Yeah. But um, but knowing that he's capable, um, we saw it as a rookie. Uh, we saw it prior to injury. Matter of fact, I think he had 30 the, the, the night before he got hurt uh, the, the just this year. So he's more than capable uh, of, of being able to, to contribute on, on this team. But, you know, the team does have a great rhythm. That second unit, like you said, they're playing through Matherin. McConnell's kind of getting things going. Um, so it's it's a challenge to, to find your way. So he's got to stay confident. And, and every once in a while, the, that bench unit has got to throw him a bone and maybe call a couple sets to, to, to come to him and instead of like, hey, you know, we wait to see if he gets it in the flow. Yeah, it's maybe need to force it a little bit to him, I would agree. And then I think if he has two good games, then there you go, and then you got yep. that guy contributing consistently rather than having these zero-point games, which is weird to see because he was such a big contributor yeah. last year in his rookie season. Uh, last thing, we've seen this team solve the – for the most part, not completely, but the late game situations, nine and nine through the first 31 games in the clutch over the last 10, they've been better than anyone in the league winning seven of the eight games that qualify. They have not solved the slow start to games. And I don't really don't have any answers to this. Clearly they don't as well. Sometimes the shots just don't fall. I'm not sure what you do. Do you have any answers here, Eddie? Yeah, um, I, I think there's been some um, some marginal improvement here probably in the last month or so. I thought early in the season it was it was like every time they were down ten in the first quarter, uh, and, and to their credit, show that resiliency to bounce back. And the next thing you know, they're back in the game again, and oftentimes winning the game. Um, but in the last month or so, I think they've been a little bit better with their starts, but uh, still somewhat problematic because uh, ultimately it's not sustainable, right? You're not, you're not going to get down seven, eight, nine, ten points every first quarter and then be able to battle back, especially as we start uh, getting towards the, the, the waning moments of this season as, as teams are buying for playoff positioning and that kind of thing. It's going to get a little bit more tougher to get back into those games. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a combination of things, being locked in on the defensive end, because in those quarters that, we, that you're referencing, you know, oftentimes the opponent is getting 30 plus, and that's just that's just far too many points to 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 give to an NBA team because um, now their confidence is rolling, and, and it's almost you know it's an incredible challenge to get back in it and, and let alone win it. Uh, so I think yeah, just being locked in defensively and then execution uh, offensively. You know, t- sometimes they, you know in those first quarters they've they've had high turnovers, just being careless with the basketball. That's never going to help you, especially live ball turnovers. You're giving teams run outs and those kind of things. So I think locking in on the details, and it's more of a mental thing uh, versus anything else. Well, Eddie, I appreciate your time and enjoy seeing you uh, at home games and then listening some on the road when uh, you joined Mark. And I appreciate the time here, and I think fans do as well, getting your player insight and analysis through the first 41. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. My thanks to Eddie Gill for joining the podcast for the first time this season. I always enjoy his insights, and obviously he provides that unique aspect of being a player, not only in an NBA locker room, but this Pacers locker room. He knows what a lot of these players have gone through. He went through it some himself. He played for Rick Carlisle, and I get to see him every single home game as he serves as a studio host for Indiana Pacers games on Bally Sports and then joins Mark Boyle on the radio call on the Pacers radio network.
Now that this podcast episode is up, I direct you to fieldhousefiles.com for even more Pacers coverage. I talked this week with an NBA scout for his analysis on the team at the midseason check-in point. Touched on why the Pacers game Wednesday night at the Knicks was no ordinary January game, which is sometimes maybe the dog days of the NBA. I did write a story about Chris Denary being the Indiana Sportscaster of the Year. Injury updates to Aaron Neesmith, TJ McConnell. How about even Daniel Tyson, Kendall Brown, Benedict Mather, and all that, and a lot more, including a conversation with Isaiah Jackson, who came back after playing a couple of games with the Mad Ants and then one with the Pacers. Three games, three nights, and three different cities. But a ton of Pacers coverage at FieldhouseFiles.com, and I invite you to join me there, join the community, and become a paid subscriber. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, and I'll talk to you again soon. 